Welcome to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, a relaxing and informative show where we explore anxiety, panic, and PTSD, sharing how you can overcome them for life. Aloha, welcome back to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Gina Ryan, and I'm so happy to be with you again today as we consider the many ways to bring your mind and body back to its natural peace and calm. We offer a number of ways to help you with your journey, so I hope you're taking advantage of everything that we offer. You can subscribe to this twice-a-week podcast. You can join our free Facebook group. And if you sign up for our newsletter, you'll get more from me and advance notice of things that are coming up. Go to anxietycoachespodcast.com and check all that out. Today, I want to talk about the anxious dozen. If you haven't been to the website, uh, we do have a post on there that I believe it is on the uh, what is anxiety page. And it is a, a graphic of the anxious dozen. And I posted this in the Facebook group a few days ago, and a lot of people commented on it as if they had not seen it. So I wanted to bring it up here on the podcast so that everybody can hear what this anxious dozen is. And if you would like to see it, uh, the post, the graphic is been on the website for a year and a half or so, and it is, I believe it is on the uh, What is Anxiety page. And so what it is, is there's, I have 12 behaviors that I'm going to outline, and these can signal that our anxiety is beginning to bubble up. And it's not the behavior that needs to change so much, but what is driving the anxiety to cause these behaviors. These are behaviors that are clues to us that our anxiety is, is coming up and maybe we're dealing with a little bit too much on our plate right now. And the behaviors are symptoms. They are not the problem. So we often address these 12 issues as if we're dealing with them. We're going to tick these off one at a time. We're going to beat these or we're going to change these behaviors and then all will be well. But that's not how it works. We want to look at these as these are the fruits of the anxious tree. And we, what we want to do is we want to get to the root and, and stop feeding these fruits or these behaviors. So let's go through them quickly and then we'll pick a few depending how much time there is to talk about them. The anxious dozen, I have the first one as seeking reassurance. The second one, trying to stop your thoughts. Third, collecting information such as on Google, uh, extra doctor's appointments, etc. Number four, checking things over and over. Number five, avoiding discomfort. Number six, numbing out with food, alcohol, drugs, screens, or other addictive behaviors. Number seven, over-preparing, as in lack of spontaneity, the inability to be spontaneous. Number eight, 
using superstitious or magical behaviors for safety. Number nine, always trying to make a good impression. Number 10, ruminating thoughts. Number 11, demanding certainty. And number 12, refusing to accept the fact that you have random thoughts. So let's start at the beginning here. Seeking reassurance is something that is very common with anxiety. Often it's felt as if all, if someone would just reassure me, I'll be okay. I actually know this feeling. I had this very strongly. I just wanted to know, hey, uh, you know, I got this thing happening in my body. Like, is that okay? Like, do people have this? Is this, am I going to live? And so it, I remember that feeling of just, if you just reassure me, I'll be okay. And it's kind of like giving a kitty milk because you get reassured once. It's like getting a little hit of dopamine. You're okay for a few minutes, but then everything comes back again and you need reassurance again. It never ends. I often say that there is not enough reassurance in the world to reassure anxiety. It, it, there, it just doesn't happen. You get a little hit, you get relief for a few minutes, maybe even an hour. And if you're lucky, a day, but then it's all back again because all you were doing was putting a band-aid on something that really needs to be taken care of, not just coated over. So instead of thinking, I just need a little hit of reassurance and I'll be okay, notice when you're you're feeling that when you think, I'm going to run on the Facebook group and see if every anybody else has had this symptom. And it feels like the right thing at the time. And of course, there are so many people on there who are happy to respond to you and, and tell you, yes, I have that too. And, and what does that get us? What does it get us to know that a hundred other people in the group have the same thing? It reassures us that maybe we're not different. It reassures us maybe that, oh, maybe this is anxiety. Whether it's anxiety or not, that drive for reassurance is a sign that your anxiety is bubbling up and you want to get to the root of why the anxiety is bubbling up, not just eliminate the need for reassurance. That will fall away by itself as our anxiety is cleared out. Number two, trying to stop your thoughts. This is a common one. Um, People get this idea of um, needing to stop thinking. And some people mistakenly think that that's what a, a meditation is, is that we sit and we stop our thinking and trying to stop your thoughts, especially if you have fearful thoughts, if you have anxious thoughts, that are intrusive, you will have this desire to want to stop your thoughts and thinking that that's the answer. If I could just stop these thoughts, everything else would be okay. Like, this is the only thing that I have. Like, I just need to stop this thought or this type of thought. And again, this is only a manifestation of our deep, anxious overly sensitized brain mind. And 
what we need to do is to clean all that up to heal all of that. And these things fall away by themselves. You will have all kinds of thoughts again, because that's what the mind does, but your attachment to it, your, your being totally involved with the thought will drop away and you won't have any desire or any thought of trying to stop those thoughts because they won't be important to you anymore. Number three, a favorite um, of so many in this day and age, collecting information. And this is especially from taking so much time in our lives to go visit Dr. Google and, and check all of these things out. And now, of course, I have no qualms with the internet or Google or any of this. This is how we all met each other, right? We either found each other through an app on our phone or, um, we, you came to our Facebook group and heard about the podcast. And of course, these are wonderful tools for us for healing and for living a wonderful life. And so we have to remember that, that we are in charge of what we do on Google and on Facebook and all those other places, not uh, our ruminating thoughts or our fearful thoughts and our seeking reassurance thoughts. So we want to be careful with collecting information because, again, this is an endless well. This is God, and it's dry. There is no answer in there. You may bump into some tools and you may run into some resources that are helpful for you, and that's great. And so then stop and actually pay attention to what you have gathered and put your attention there and, and use those. That isn't what happens. What happens most of the time is there's a lot of flitting around that goes on. We collect information maybe from Google, and then that feels good, just like seeking reassurance even. That feels good for a minute. Okay, oh, I know. Okay, oh, it could be magnesium deficiency. Okay, and so we we grab onto that, and then we go off, and then all of a sudden that wasn't quite enough. Now I need to know what the exact kind of magnesium to use is, or I need to check it out with my doctor. Oh my, of course, well, I need to make a doctor appointment so that we can gather more information there and get their medical opinion. Or, And of course, if we need to seek medical help, we need to do that. But we don't want to do it as a way of endlessly collecting information. It collecting information is very similar to the seeking reassurance. It never ends. We get that little hit, that little dopamine hit. We feel good for a minute, a day, perhaps, but then it all floods back again because nothing has really changed because what has to change is our thinking. And if our thinking hasn't changed, we're going to be right back where we were before we collected all of that amazing information. Number four is checking things over and over. Now we all know this one. Um, if you have a, if your body mind tends to lean toward obsessive or compulsive behaviors, you may be somebody who likes to check things over and over. What's interesting for me was I actually remember getting this. Like I remember wanting to do the, um, these are very typical ones. 
um, check the stove and check the iron um, because I back when I had my anxiety, I still was ironing clothes. Um, I remember wanting to, did I turn the iron off? Is it, did I leave it sitting up? Is it laying down on the, like, because it must be the heat thing or the fear of just burning the house down and always wanting to check the stove. I remember getting it. And I remember one time driving back, I didn't live too far from where I worked. And I remember driving back home to check. And of course, the iron was, it was propped up on its little metal holder. It was unplugged and turned off, of course. And it didn't matter because in my mind at the time, I thought for sure that I was going to miss it and that the house would burn down. Now, I remember catching those. I don't know what it was about me at that time. And the thing with the stove, I never went back to check the stove, but I remember it going through my head. It was almost like maybe I had heard it on a television program or read it somewhere, but I remember thinking, oh, I think that's one of those thoughts that if you do it, it it goes deeper. And so I never really got very deep into obsessive and compulsive thought behaviors of rechecking and checking things over. But I do remember wanting to do it. It came through my mind. And some, for some reason at the time, I had a little bit of awareness and was able to not feed it. So again, if you're in an early stage with this, don't just don't feed it. And I know it's hard. And, you know, things do happen. Sometimes the door isn't locked. I don't know. There's no way to know that. But you can you can double check with your heart and soul and see, do I really need to go back and check this? Or is this me having a thought that is from my anxiety that is leading me to feel a little obsessive or compulsive? Let me just sit with that. Do question it. Do question it. If you need to go back and check, go back and check. But remember that you went back and checked like I did with the iron. I never forgot that. It was like, okay, that happened and the iron was fine. And it's funny because they're usually very, um, they're, they're the same ones over and over that I hear from people. Not the iron so much nowadays, but I do hear people wanting to go back and check the stove or check the door. Did I lock the door? So anyway, let that be a trigger for you that, oh, I may be thinking something from anxiety here. Let me slow down and double check. Do I need to go and do this or can I let it go this time and really make a conscious choice, not from your anxious feelings. And number five, avoiding discomfort. This is a big one. We really get into avoiding Anything that might cause us discomfort, anything from riding somewhere on the highway, um, a very common one now with big highways, a lot of people that I work with are in big cities, and having long distances between exits, that feels uncomfortable to them, so they avoid it. Okay, we want to pay attention when we are avoiding discomfort when we don't like being hot, like it's uncomfortable to be hot. I live in a hot climate. I understand it. And I remember when I was pregnant with my first child, I was, I was going to be nine months pregnant in the end of August or the 
middle of August in central New York. So I don't know if anyone knows central New York weather, but August, are you kidding? It can be, you can cut the air with a knife if it is, if it is in its humid state. I didn't want to be there. I was like, how am I going to do this? How am I? I was like, oh no, Uh, of course I was fine. Actually, my anxiety was better during my pregnancies. So I want people to, I might as well just pop that in there for anybody who's thinking about pregnancies and worried about their anxiety. My anxiety went down, way down when I was pregnant. So the hormones of pregnancy were good for me. They made me feel really good and less, way less anxious. And, but I was afraid ahead of time, like, you know, you, you do your numbers out and you go, oh no, that means I will be ready to give birth in August in central New York. And of course it was fine, but we want, we don't want to be hot when we're anxious. Most of us don't like the heat. And so maybe we avoid, uh, uh, heat or situations where it's hot, or we don't want to go to the beach, it's too hot, or we don't want to do particular things. We avoid discomfort. And so nobody wants to be uncomfortable. But when you are starting to avoid it to the point that you are keeping things out of your life that are important to you, or that could be just a regular part of daily life, you want to pay attention to that. You don't need to get out of avoiding discomfort, and then everything will be fine. No, you need just like all these other ones that we've talked about today. You need to bring your anxiety level down. You need to get your amygdala to no longer be so overly sensitized so that it's blasting out at just the the whiff of 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 a of air of a warm breeze and then it pan- sends you into a panic because you don't like to be hot we are so oversensitized and when we bring all of that down again and we can heal and actually get back on even keel again all of these anxious dozen that we're talking about here fall away. We don't need to get rid of these one at a time. They all fall away as we begin to have more strength and ability to not react to everything as if it were dangerous. And you hear that when we talk here all the time, discomfort is not dangerous. We may not like it, but we can tell ourselves this, this is not dangerous. It's just uncomfortable. We need to really start paying attention to the differences. And so it looks like we did not get time to finish our anxious dozen. So they will be on the next podcast. So coming up on the next podcast, we will go through number six through 12 of the anxious dozen. I'll be back in a few more days with another podcast. Until then, be well and aloha. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Find more information at the anxietycoachespodcast.com. 